0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with a returned survivor named Kelly, and Kelly was married to a physically abusive narcissist. It's a story of brainwashing, isolation, feeling embarrassed for staying, and the difficulty in leaving for good. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now, before we get to our episode with Kelly, I just first want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Castbox, etc., etc., please leave us a five star written review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you have not been to our website recently at NarcissistApocalypse.com and you want to be on our show, at the top of the page, there's a button that says guest form. You click on that button, takes you to guest form, you fill it out, and away we will go. We will start the process right there. But another way to be on our show is to also go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Side of the page, there's a floating button around that says send voicemail. That is for our letters to my narcissist compilation episode. So if you want to read a letter to your narcissist that it's an unsent letter and you just want to send it in to us by reading it yourself, that, that button, you press it, it records up to five minutes. You press it twice, it records up to 10. You don't want to read the letter yourself and you still want to be part of the show, send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Me or my old pal, Melissa, will read your letter first. For you, just put in the subject line when you send that email letters to my narcissist. Other things going on at our website, we are offering high conflict parenting courses at com slash courses. We have partnered with an online parenting company called Online Parenting, and many of the courses we are offering are created by Bill Eddy, who is an expert. I say he is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court, and now he's helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country, so if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Now, what else do I got for you here today? our patreon everyone yes we have a patreon and we started a support group on the patreon we have episodes that never made it to air on there stuff with me and and melissa and you know we're we're doing new stuff on there all the time so something that we're actually going to be doing this week part of our support group it's not technically a support group this wednesday but we're just going to be doing a guided meditation for about an hour so if that interests you, you know, sometimes we don't always want to talk about the stuff and we need to relax. So, uh, you know, when you sign up for our Patreon, which is only $5 a month, you get uh, the shows that Denver made it to air, some extra stuff with me and Melissa, former guests type stuff. And you get, uh, you know, you get a support group every Saturday night, every other Wednesday night. And now on the other Wednesdays, you're going to get guided meditation live through our Zoom and so much more, we also added uh, our own forum board uh, this week an attachment, so you can ask questions on there it's private uh, we're adding a much more stuff on that forum board this way you guys can communicate with each other. Some of our former guests are on there, so you know we're kind of creating you know all of this stuff only for five bucks a month that helps supports uh, the show, keeps us free and uh that's uh that so uh now before we get started i just want to say about this episode there are a little bit of sound issues uh in this episode uh, as far as uh sometimes the phone kind of uh, went in and out but i did my best to clean that up as well as there is noise kind of going on kelly was um you know she has uh kids and she's uh, doing things. The kids aren't on there, but she was preparing uh, stuff in the kitchen while we were on the phone. So you might hear some clanging of uh, dishes and, and maybe things being prepared. Uh, you know, you might hear like an oven kind of being click clicked on and stuff like that. But uh, besides that, you know, this was a really – I just want to thank Kelly for, for being on the show uh, for the second time. She was already been on once before um, I state in this episode what the date is. Uh, so you can go back and listen. I'll also put it in the show description. And, you know, this is a really interesting story, um, you know, for people that have gone through intimate partner violence and the difficulty of staying uh, away. This has a lot of that in there. You know, it's emotional. I've quieted down parts for people when I thought there might have been too graphic of um, uh, of, uh, I guess, description of uh, the violence. So I've done my best to kind of take all of that out there um, so people won't get as triggered. Just, to, again, this it might be a triggering episode for everyone because we do discuss this stuff. Um, and that's it. So thank you. And thank you to uh, Kelly. And once again, um, you know, I'm going to get out of my way and your way. Here is my conversation interview with Kelly. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Kelly. How are you?
1: I'm doing fine.
0: Well, you are the first return guest we've ever had on the show and you know after our episode uh last time out which i think was the october 12th episode i I, you sent me an email uh, the next day saying you know i was you know well i knew you had two relationships but you said the, the first one is uh, more interesting the second one, and, and the second one was was a pretty interesting story. So, um, you know, I always say, say like, just keep on bugging me and send me an email to remind me that we're, we still need to record, and uh, you sent me an email, thank goodness, and we're here. So, thank you for, for being here with me, and, you know, I'm just going to get out of my way and your way. Kelly, the floor is now yours
1: yeah so i think that the the first husband i think he had more time with me and he did do a lot as you'll hear like a lot more things i mean he did the thing that makes made him sound i guess least worse was because he didn't actually try to kill me for insurance money (laughs) it started from the beginning i guess um um my brother went through divorce right before hurricane katrina and it was hard on him i mean he took it hard Um, So I was living a couple of states away with my parents, and I moved back down there, I guess, to live with him since his house no longer had kids in it or anything else, and and his wife was gone, and also helped split some of the bills because, you know, divorce is expensive. And so I moved down there. I was in my early 20s, whatever. Um, And then like a couple of weeks after I moved down, Hurricane Katrina hit. So boom, I automatically had a job. Um, I started working for volunteers of America, um, and just trying to stay busy with that. And in the meantime, I had reconnected with some of my old friends cause I had been living out of state for a couple of years. So I reconnected with them and one of them, she had had a baby from a one night stand And somehow her and the guy decided to try to make it work. So she moved in with him. She comes from a bad home life and basically he, he moves her in and then he just rejects her the whole time. I mean, he wants to be there for his son, but he just treated her really badly. But anyways, she was feeling really down and out. I'm in my early twenties. What better cure for feeling down and out than your best friend to take you out on the town for the night. Let's go have some drinks and cut loose. (laughs) So I took her out that night, and we went to this place that I personally never liked. It was like a country bar, country western bar, which I'm not completely into, but it was her her usual hangout. So I took her there, and we're standing there with our first couple of drinks, and we're looking down there, and I, I see one of the guys I went to high school with, and next to him, some tall guy with messy-looking hair. I didn't, couldn't even see his face past his hair, and um, she's like, Oh my God, who is that guy? He is so fine. Blah, blah, blah. Isn't that Jason that you went to school with? And I said, Yeah. I said, I'll go, I'll go introduce you to him. I said, I'll, I'll go talk to Jason and then we'll talk to him. I mean, obviously they're together. So we walked down there and I say, hey, Jason, what's up, blah, blah, and we start talking, and I say, who's your friend? My friend wants to meet your friend, and so the guy turns around, and I said, hey, what's your name? He tells me his name. I said, my friend wants to meet you, and he's like, no, I want to meet you. Who are you? And Basically, for the rest of the night, he just basically dragged me around everywhere. It was like, it was really weird because was like telling people automatically I was his girlfriend. And we had just met. I didn't even think I knew his last name at that point. My friend got very upset. She got heartbroken. She ended up catching a ride home because she already was dealing with so much rejection at home. And then here I go, and she apparently falls in love at first sight with this tall guy. And I end up unintentionally getting him so anyways we go out for the rest of the night we head down and um I mean we headed down out of town we were in Baton Rouge and um some of the bars at this point I mean it took a while for everything to open back up in New Orleans but some of the bars were open up uh, ampersands and stuff like that so we went we went down to ampersands and we were out all night anyways next day um I slept in blah, 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 returned to regular life. And he's already calling my phone like immediately, like within minutes of being like apart from each other. It just seems that way. As I recall, like, cause this is back way back in the early 2000s and even down to the next night when it you know, in your early twenties, you go out almost every night of the week or at least I did and me and my friends did. And so, um, the next time we were supposed to go out, I was just going with my best friend Amber and, um, I had already made plans. I was headed over there, and he starts blowing up my phone. Hey, where are you? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm going out having a girls' night. You're not invited. The way that I was used to the dating game, most guys, when you went out on a first date with them or or had met them that night, you know, it took a few days for them to text you. It wasn't like they started ambushing you. Where are you going to be tonight? Where are you going to be? And it was like that. Then he showed up where I ended up telling him where we were going to be, but no, it's a girls' night. This is what we're doing. He shows up. So that's pretty much how the first of our relationships, he just smothered me with his presence until I started liking him. I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, it was like every time I looked up, I had a text message. Every time I went somewhere, he was there. It was like, you know, maybe this is meant to be. He's such a nice guy.
0: At the beginning, what uh, what about him uh, got you hooked into him where you were like, hook, line, and sinker, this guy is for me?
1: Um, it was He was, honestly, he was an attractive guy, but he wasn't overly attractive, but he was enough. And with the gifted gap he had, the way he had a way of talking you Almost like a snake charmer, like he could make you feel like the most beautiful, glamorous, amazing woman in the world, and like he was the gift to you. He could make you feel like everything, and then he could obviously make you feel like nothing too.
0: So he, yeah, so he,
1: just he had to get the gap. He
0: he was just the most charismatic person you'd ever met.
1: Ever in my life to this day, I've never met anybody like that. Never. And lie, and people believe him, and and just so he has this presence about him, you know? It's uh, Now I see through it, and I look at him, and I don't see it at all anymore, actually, when I look at him. But back then, he was almost captivating to me. Like I said, he wasn't, like, overly attractive. He was attractive, but not overly attractive to where it was like, oh, my God, i got to have this guy like my friend was. But it was more about his presence. Um anyways, he became, you know, part of our circle almost. And the next thing I wanna touch on is one of my first red flags from him. Um, we had gone out one night and we ended up at my friend Amber's house because um she was my going out buddy and she lived in Baton Rouge so it was just easy to sleep over her house. Well, he and I went over there for like kinda like an after party or whatever. And after that, I passed out. I had work the next day. I was tired. She said, go hit my bed room, go to sleep. Well, apparently he ended up staying there and hitting on her. And as a good friend would, she rejected him, you know, and ended up telling me, hey, your your new boy, he he hit on me. He was trying to fill me up. So I confronted him about it. I said, look, I don't want anything else to do. You my best friend? No. He tells me that he would never do that. In fact, he needs to tell me that my best friend has a secret. She sells herself on Craigslist, and he's seen her ads on Craigslist and Backpage, and he can show me these ads, but he doesn't want to do that to me because it would, you know, destroy my opinion of her. But I really need to back away from her because she's trouble, and she's hiding things. So... Then I got to thinking, well, you know, I mean, could it be? I, I don't know. I've been known this girl since sixth grade, but I guess. Um, and I asked her, D- do you do this? You know, is this what you're doing? And she said no and this and that. But for some reason at the time, I just, I don't know why, but I believed him. So I started spacing myself from her and from pretty much all of my friends because it seemed like every single one of them, he found issue with them and um, he was living with a roommate, and I would just go out with him and go sleep over there. Um, let me see where I'm at. I had to make notes so I could keep up this time so I don't miss anything. Um, he basically had isolated me by this point, but we had been together for a while, and we went out one night with just his friends, like three of his guy friends and me in my car, so I was like, "Look, I'm not up for going out you know late tonight. I'm not up for staying all night and going bar to bar. I want to go home after this. let's go home and he was like, "No, I still feel like going out with my friends blah blah blah, we're gonna to to take so and so's car and um, we'll just bring you and your car back to my house, and you can crash. Well, I go back, I crash. I don't even think two things about it. I wake up the next morning to go to my car to go back to my brother's house, and I look, my car is not there." He has taken my car out without telling me anything, like two hours away from where we were to go out and party all night and drink. I start blowing up his phone, blowing up his phone, blowing up his phone. He would not respond. Finally, he said, we're on our way back. So-and-so only has a two-seater car. You should have known that we were taking your car. I told you, you were just too drunk to remember. And I promise you, to this day, I know I did not give him permission to take my car. So I was very upset. And when he got back, I was packing. You know, I had started leaving things at his place. I was packing all my stuff up, and I was done with this dude yet again. And somehow, he he had the gift of gab. He could talk you into anything. I mean, he could tell you your hair was black and your hair was clearly blonde, and you would believe it. And um he talked me into staying with him. Well, with that, Valentine's Day was coming up, and I had always wanted an English Bulldog. My whole life I wanted an English Bulldog, but they're like $1,500, and I couldn't afford that. Um, He had decided that particular day when he was trying to make up with me, oh, also, by the way, we're going to go pick up your English Bulldog for Valentine's Day. So... I was like, oh, my God, I get an English Bulldog, and I was so excited. Well, sure enough, like the next day, we did go get an English Bulldog. I ended up getting a little female one. She was solid light. She was the love of my life. She's deceased now, um, and she was the cutest puppy. Well, I tried to bring her home. My brother was like, look, I'm a cat person. You're not bringing this dog into my house. You better find a place to keep it. And so I ended up having to leave my English Bulldog at his place with his roommate because they didn't have a pet so what I do is every day after work I would stop by there and feed my dog well one day right after I get the dog and this guy's already broken my trust quite a few times um, I drive up over there to go feed my dog and I notice he's not there and neither is my dog and so I'm walking around trying to figure out what's going on and he drives up with the upstairs like tenant he lived in like a duplex type thing but it was the bottom floor was an apartment and the top floor was an apartment and it was like a young a pretty girl that lived up there and i never even knew that they even talked i didn't even know they knew each other i've mean, never seen them talk he pulls up with her and they are clearly disheveled like something's been going on and so i march over there and i start chewing everyone out give me my dog You know, what are you doing? And I broke up with him. And I walk away. And I'm like, I'm going to have to talk my brother into letting this dog come back. This dog is like everything to me. Anyway, somehow or another, he comes chasing me down. No, you know I love you. You mean everything to me. I don't love her. I didn't have a ride to go get a cup of coffee. She took me to get a cup of coffee. Oh, and he gave me this huge sob story. and, And then he flips it and he says, hey, you know what? In fact, you hurt her feelings because here she was kind enough to give me a ride to go get a cup of coffee. And you sit there accusing her of, you know, calling her names and accusing her of cheating with me. And now she's probably upstairs crying. You need to go apologize to her. And he kept on and kept on and kept on. And I ended up, this is like how good he was at this. I ended up that night knocking on her door and apologizing to this girl. (laughs) <laughs> and and I know for a fact that they this wasn't what what he was telling me it was. Now looking back at it back then I thought, Oh, he loves me. He wouldn't love anybody else. Look at how obsessed he is with me. He like can't live without me. Um anyways, um another huge red flag during that time, I do recall on a separate instance we ended up getting into an argument. And that was the first time he put his hands on. Me. He actually grabbed me by the back of my head and the back of my shirt and dragged me out of his apartment and threw me out on the ground outside. And I was so brainwashed at this point. I on my car begging him to take me back, apologizing to him. And even at that point, I do recall, I don't know what I did wrong. But anyway, moving on. Basically, all of a sudden, there's issues between him and his roommate. He uh, lived with a uh, a guy, um, but, um, oh, he's giving me so much trouble, and he's inviting men over all night. He's not paying his half of the rent and this and that, just, like, making up stuff about the guy. And as far as I knew, the guy came from money, and he seemed to always be pretty – pretty good about taking care of things. So it just seems kind of odd to me, but he's like, you know what? We've got to go get an apartment together. Um, Blah, blah, blah. I had never lived with a guy before marriage. So I was like, no, I can't. He's like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll get you an apartment and I'll just come stay sometime until I find a place. And I said, okay. So he gets me a one bedroom apartment. Finally, I can be with my dog and um, I start living there. Well, it never was me just living there because he immediately moves in. I mean, that was never even a question. So right after we get, in the apartment is literally four blocks from my job, which was amazing. Um, basically, right after we moved in, I don't even think it was three weeks later. I found out that I was pregnant, and I could—I almost couldn't believe it. I thought I had the flu or something. I, I took like four four different tests. I have endometriosis. I didn't even think it was possible. But I was pregnant. And so um, I was like, well, I've got to tell him. So I told him. He went crazy. He told me I did this on purpose. I was trying to purposely make him marry me. We had never even discussed marriage at that point, I don't believe. Well, we had, but it had been mostly on his end. I... I did not purposely get pregnant was the point, and he was sitting there again and blaming me for it. He slaps out about $1,000 on the counter. He says, go take care of it. I think you know what I mean. And and everybody's got their own belief system, but I'm Catholic. And I said, no, you don't have to be part of the picture. Um, you don't have to be part of my life or the baby's life, but I'm I'm not doing this. This is against everything I believe in. Well, for the next couple of days, he stayed gone. Uh, I don't know where he was. He was barely answering my text messages. He wanted nothing to do with me. But apparently at some point during those days, he ended up at his parents' house. And they were actually happy about the news. They were so excited to have a first grandchild. They were in tears. They were ready to buy things. They were so excited. Well, all of a sudden, up oh, he changes his mind. He wants the baby. And so he comes back. um, And... Within, I want to say, I found out I was pregnant June. By July 4th of that year, uh, we went to a friend's party. Um, I'd never looked at rings or anything, and he got down on one knee in front of everybody and proposed to me. But I, I really, at this point, I wasn't sure I wanted to marry him because, like I said, there were red flags. I had never been in an abusive relationship, but I knew something clearly wasn't right or normal. I accepted the ring, but in the back of my mind, I thought, well, but we don't have to push through with it probably till after the baby's born. And and it gives me time to think and breathe and figure out what I'm going to do. And finally, um, by that October, I was very depressed. I, I ended up saying, okay, we can line up a justice of peace. I'll marry you in the apartment. So that's what we did. We got married the day before Halloween. And, um, Right after that was done with, he immediately we were supposed to go and eat out at a restaurant to celebrate. We couldn't afford a honeymoon and, and this and that. So we went to go eat out at a restaurant called Paran's. And um during that, that meal he he had just changed like a different person. He had gone from happy and outgoing in front of his parents and excited to be marrying me. But by the time we made it to Paran's, he he hated me. He didn't want to talk to me. The way I ate was disgusting. You know, he just was making me feel really awful about myself. So I didn't really eat much. I put my food into a, a to-go box, and we left, and we got back to the apartment. And then that was supposed to be our wedding night. I had never been married, so I assumed that things happened on the wedding night. Well, that's not how that occurred. I ended up spending my wedding night on the floor with a carton of ice cream, crying. And, anyways, the next day he announces to me, Don't your family? I don't want to give away my state that I'm living in. If I hopefully I didn't on the last podcast, but doesn't your family live in this state? I think we're going to have to move to this state because I can't stay here and marry to you and not cheat. There's too many attractive women here. Um, there's too much temptation. I will cheat on you. I mean, look, they blow up my phone every day. So, Uh, stupid me, I don't know if I had pregnancy brain or anything, did not at all take offense to that. And I'm like, okay, let's pack up and move. And so we move up here. And um, my mom and dad helped him find a job. He got his first job and everything. And we got a little house. It was like a little farmhouse with a barn out back. And um, once I got up here, the altitude change started causing issues in my pregnancy, Um, I was supposed to have the baby end of February and this, at this point I'd say was late November and I got hospitalized for the first time because I started going into labor and they had me on complete bed rest. I couldn't get up and even go to the bathroom because they were scared that I would push the baby out. And so I was stuck in the hospital at this point during this time, unbeknownst to me, He's not showing up at the hospital, I do know that, but unbeknownst to me, he has started cheating on me with a girl named Lacey that he works with. And all I can think in my mind is here I am stuck in this stupid hospital room all day long. I don't know if my baby's going to live. I don't know if everything's going to be okay. And the only person in this whole world who shows up to see me is my mom and sometimes my dad. Where is he? And he's in my car, by the way, because he still has no vehicle at this point. It's always been my car. Well, um, so I start confronting him about it, and then he starts showing up here and there. Well, at this point I still don't know about this Lacey girl. I don't find that out till later on after I had the baby. But by 2 days uh no, yeah, it was 2 days after Christmas they let me out of the hospital. They said at this point if you go into labor, there's a shot we can give you to develop the baby's lungs. By New Year's Eve I went into labor and I had the baby. And he was very sick. And so then I get out of the hospital for myself, and I'm right back in the hospital with him because he had um really bad jaundice. And I I don't remember, but I think it's something like kidney failure and all that other stuff goes with it. Um. Anyways, I'm in the hospital with him full time now, sitting in the hospital with my newborn. And, again, he's not showing up. He's just cruising around town and working his job and then coming home to whoever because he's not coming to see us. By the time we finally got my son healthy and got him out of the hospital, that was whenever I could start focusing on whatever the heck was going on with this guy I just married. Well, I get back and his friends are all excited that we're back with the baby and stuff. And they're like, let's have a cookout. Come on over for the cookout and we'll get to meet the baby and we'll get to see. And, and I mean, Kelly, and you probably have to dub that out. And, um, We'll do that. Well, the whole time we're at this cookout, he keeps saying this girl. I hear him talking. uh, Where's Lacey at? She was supposed to show up. Where's Lacey at? I've texted her like four times, like right in my face. Clearly no respect for me. And I'm just sitting there. I don't know anyone there because they're all his coworkers. Um, I mean, I might have met him like once or twice. And, And I'm hearing him basically in front of my face. He's waiting pins and needles on this girl. Anyways,
0: um. So, uh, what, one question: right, At this point, you know, um, you're you've seen all of this stuff. You're not being treated well. He's obviously cheating. Whoever you're, this lacy person you're talking about. And so, at you know, at this point, are you know, keeping you around is you know, your your family. You can now have a child with him. And, um, you know, the belief, is it like a belief, uh, you know, you had your first love bombing and everything, you fell in in love with him. uh, And now, is it really like the belief of a family supposed to stay together or things like that? Like, you have to stick this out. uh, You know, this is what I'm supposed to do, because you really have no frame of reference of what to do.
1: Well, no, because here's the deal. My mother was married before the man that I call my father. Mm -hmm. And out of that, she actually had a boy and a girl just like me. And uh, she left him the day she went into labor with me. She just didn't stick around. He was very abusive. And so I did have some sort of references to I'd never personally witnessed abuse. And I didn't know step by step what abuse looked like. So at this point, I had been telling my mother everything. Everything. And so, um, and he didn't know that. So she's like, Look, you got to divorce him. She's a paralegal by trade. I mean, she can type up divorce papers, no big deal. And I can file myself at the courthouse. This is what we do, this is how much it's gonna cost. We're gonna do this. Send him back home. We will raise the baby together. And part of me, yeah, was torn. Because here I am looking at my little boy and I'm a female and he's gonna grow up without a daddy. And it's my fault. And so I tried to hang on to it by just like confronting him about it. When we got back, hey, who's Lacey? Are you sleeping with her? You know, what's going on kind of stuff. And he grabbed a antique mirror off of, and I had the baby. I was feeding the baby in my arms. Uh, He was still very tiny at this point because he was so premature. Um, and I asked him, and he grabbed an antique mirror off of the wall and throws it at me and the baby. He didn't even answer my question, and I could have killed the baby. Thank God I jumped up, and I ran out of the house, and I called my mom. My mom and my dad showed up over there, which, again, they were fully aware of the situation. He just didn't know they were because I had been talking to my mom every day. And my daddy is an old redneck man. He had his pistol on his hips. And he was ready. And my mom comes in there, you you know, she's a little Cajun woman and she's fiery. And she was like, You don't ever throw things at my daughter. You don't put your hands on her. And she's waving her finger around in her face. And you have to imagine this. He's like six foot six one and she's like four ten with heels on. And she's got her finger pointed up in the air in his face, Don't you ever and just like like she would her own kid. And he rears back with his fist and goes to hit her and my daddy jumped in between them with his pistol out and stuck it to my ex's forehead and said if you breathe wrong I'm going to pull this trigger and I'm going to call it self defense don't you ever try to hit my wife and he picks his cell phone up out of his pocket because he knew my daddy wouldn't go pull that trigger I mean my daddy's a good man now I call him daddy he's my adoptive dad he's adopting me. He's my stepdad by blood. But anyways, uh, he pulls his cell phone out of his pocket and he dials 911 and says, Hey, there's an old senile guy out here. He has a pistol pulled to my forehead and I think he's going to kill me. And so guess what? The cops show up. And we had, my mom and dad sent me inside because they always sheltered me. They sent me inside and they somehow maneuvered the police into understanding that daddy, you know, didn't have the gun loaded. He didn't intend to shoot him because he was raid charges against my old dad. And my dad's like 16 years older than my mom. He really is old. I mean, like right now, he's almost 80 at this point in time. But, anyways. Um, And that, look, here, this guy threw a mirror. Here's the mirror inside uh, at my daughter and and her newborn son. He has been attacking her and hitting her. Just go ask her this and that. So, anyways, the way it worked out, at the end of the, the night, the police helped him pack his stuff. And they went ahead and they sent him on his way. And his parents came and picked him up. And so... He's out of the picture at this point. I'm by myself with a newborn. I guess he was probably, because we were in the hospital for a while, he was probably about two or three months old. He was old enough to go to daycare because immediately my mom followed through with what she said. She got that divorce filed. She got me a job where she was working as a secretary. And uh, I was making decent money. I could actually pay my bills. I actually moved on really easy as hard as I, was, and there was no contact because the second he was gone, my mom knew what to do. She changed my phone number and everything. Um. Anyway, uh, everything was going fine. I was about three months. I didn't hear from him, and at some point, he contacted my brother, who's back down in our home state at this point, and got a hold of my phone number, and in the middle of the night, he called me.
0: <laughs>
1: this is a funny story. He called me up, and I'm half asleep. I was in the bed with the baby in the cradle, like the little cradle-type thing next to my bed, and I pick up the phone, and I'm like, Hello? Oh, I'm sorry. Kelly, Kelly, can you, uh, and I'm like, listen, old lady, I don't know who you are, but leave me alone. And, and I hung up the phone. Well, this person, this old lady kept calling back. It was him. I had been away from him for so long. I had forgotten his voice. And to me, he sounded like an older lady on the phone, like an old, old elderly woman. And he was highly offended. But anyways, once he got me on the phone and we discovered who he was, um, I was like, look, leave me alone. I'll do anything to get you off of the phone with me. Let me call you tomorrow and talk to you about it. Okay, fine. I will talk to you tomorrow. Well, he did. He followed through. He started blowing up my phone first thing in the morning. And that's a technique that he used oftentimes during our relationship. He knew that if he backed me down and cornered me by blowing up my phone incessantly to the point where it would die at times that I would eventually pick up to make it stop. Back then, I don't, I don't know if uh, what error they started making it to where you could block phone numbers from your cell phone, but I do recall back then you actually had to call the wireless carrier. This would have been about 06 or 07, or, or at least to my knowledge you had to call the wireless carrier and actually get it blocked. It wasn't something you could do from your device. I mean, we didn't even have touchscreen devices back then. I think I had a flip phone. Um. anyway, so it's not like I could block his number. And so he would just bombard me, you know, until I gave in. And he somehow finagled his way into he his daddy had bought him a little Ford Focus and he was going to come up there and we could talk this out. His son needed him. And that's one of the weak spots he knew I had. I knew that I am unaware of what to do with a baby boy other than love him. So he came up for a weekend. I never told my parents he was even there. In fact, he parked at his front, his ex coworker's house, and I picked him up and I brought him to my home and spent the weekend with him, like nothing had ever happened. And that went so well, I ended up going behind my parents' back, um, sending a letter to the judge. And though I no longer wished to get a divorce, cause it wasn't finalized yet. And then packing my stuff and heading back to my home state in the, in the middle of the night with my child without my parents even knowing. Um, it broke their heart because here she had gotten me a job and, and she had done all these great things for me and she knew how dangerous he could get. And, and, and I just, I just did something so stupid, but I was so brainwashed by this guy. I just, there's no way to explain it. So anyways, I get back down to Louisiana and he's apparently living with his parents and um we have to move into a bedroom at their house, which they have a nice big house that wasn't a big deal. And within weeks he started his stuff with me and was gaslighting, um looking on my phone and then and then coming up later with things that he knew about me, you know, you're lying about this or you're lying about this, just to pick a fight basically, gaslighting. And, um, we ended up getting into it with the door shut in the bedroom and it was over the down comforter. I remember I was packing my stuff. I was going to leave him again and he wanted my down comforter, which was mine. I had had it before I even knew him. And I'm like, no, give me my down comforter. And so we're like two five-year-olds jerking this down comforter around and he reaches back and punches me in my face and busts my nose and my lips, And so I Screamed and his um he calls the police. He tells the police this girl's gone crazy. She's blah 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 this and that and blah blah. Well, his parents apparently have never had the police at their house. They're upstanding people and they they look down upon that stuff. So basically, the police show up and they don't know why. They don't know how because we've been in a shut bedroom and. He tells them, oh, this and that. When she gets anxious, she claws at herself, and that's how her nose got busted and her lip got busted. And she's just going crazy. I don't even know if she's safe to be around my child, all this other stuff. And I'm sitting there just bawling, like broken down, because I, I know I'm about to lose my kid. And... um taking his side they're like yeah all these years we've had our son we've never had the police over here she she must have called you guys she she's behind this she's done done this to herself well there was a woman police officer and a man police officer and that woman pulled me outside and she said honey what really happened because they're not letting you get a word in and I told her the truth and she believed me and so at that point I was able to pack my bags again and go back to my home state where my parents were at. And, you know, they weren't real happy with me, but they definitely wanted me back there versus where I was at. So immediately I'm back on the road again with an infant, back up to uh, seven and a half hours away, and I've moved back up there. Well, immediately once I get back up there, he starts calling me, blowing up my phone, this and that, and he talks me back into coming down. Look, I've got an apartment. We won't be with my parents anymore. This was all their fault. I was under so much stress. This Basically, for the first time, he wasn't blaming me. This is not you. This was them. They had me stressed out. So listen, I've got us our own place. You come back down here, and we will be together for our son. So basically, we have to plan this, too, to sneak around my mother's back because if she's got anything in it, I'm not going anywhere. She knows what kind of man this is. And so I had to sneak behind her back, pack up my stuff again, and head back down there.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt you right here, but I just wanted to point out for everyone the changing uh, tactic that was uh, used here. And whereas before uh, things were being blamed on you, here is a way uh, of, of your partner to change the tactic and blame his parents, which for you seems like not that it's a breath of fresh air, but it takes the the pressure off of you and you might start seeing it in the sense of... Um, he's on my side, or things have changed, and things along those lines. So, for everyone listening, you know, here's just a, like an other way of of a tactic that can change. It's a very subtle kind of change, but the mindset of someone um, who's in this might see it in in a in an uplifting or a or a positive uh, way, which keeps them uh, there for even longer. And I'm sorry for interrupting. And please continue.
1: So. Uh- and I head back down, and sure enough, he's gotten us a one-bedroom apartment in a really bad part of town. And immediately, right after I had my son, I got on an IUD, which stops you from having your time of the month. Um, so I, I know that sounds like weird. Why would I add that? But, but the reason I'm saying that is because when I first walked in there, I had to go to the bathroom. I had been on the road for a while, and I look over into the trash can in the apartment, and it's filled with tampons, used ones. I mean, I know he's not using tampons, so I knew my heart fell and sank so bad right then because I knew I had made a fool of myself again. <laughs> he had he'd already had another woman over there. It was clear. Immediately, me, we fight right off the bat about that one. And um, so we we ended up staying together because I was too embarrassed to go back to my parents. I was going to try to make it work this time. Um and my son loves his father. They apparently had quite a bond, believe it or not. He's growing to love him, you know. And anyway, not too too long, I wanna say about four months after I moved in there, I started getting virus symptoms, throwing up. All, all the symptoms of the virus comes with and I'm like, dang, like what's going on? Am I that unhealthy? Well, it just seemed like within hours, of every time I ate, I was throwing up. And to the point where I couldn't keep liquids down or anything, it was horrible. I remember one night in specific, you know, after a few days of it, I had left the bathroom on my hands and knees. And I, and I started going sick again. And I dropped down to the ground and was throwing up, like dry heaving and throwing up onto the floor and having to drag my body because I was so weak. And no one would take me to the hospital And he was in there in the bed with our son. And he said, could you shut that shit down? We are trying to sleep here. Do you just care about only yourself? And I'm sitting here like, I feel like I'm literally, my organs are shutting down and stuff. I don't know what's wrong, but I can't even walk. Anyways, that next day I called my mom, even though it was a very tumultuous time between us because she was very disappointed in me. And I let her know what's going on. And she says, do a favor for me. She says, anything you eat or drink, only take it from closed containers. And when I say that, I mean once you've opened it, if you set it down on the counter for two seconds and walk away, don't touch it again. Only from closed containers. That's it. Well, I started doing that, and immediately it stopped. Immediately. Now, I'm not trying to say he poisoned me. But it sure felt and looked that way at that point. Um, and I never had virus symptoms again after that point. It was weird having to live, you know, off of packs of gummies and string, unopened string cheeses and, like, drinking, like, a quarter of a bottle of water and then not being able to drink the rest. But I was surviving. Well, one day we decided we were going to go to Walmart. And on the way to Walmart, uh, our son had fallen asleep in uh the back seat and he was driving and I said look I'll just run in and grab a couple of things we need and you can stay out here with him with the the truck running and then that way because he had traded the focus in for a truck at this point anyway you stay here with him and I'll just run in all of a sudden he starts accusing me of cheating I've got a man in there I'm going to see and just crazy gaslighting and I'm like oh my god God, why are we even going through this? I feel like I'm losing my mind. Well, when I raised my voice at him, that is whenever he told me to get out of his vehicle. Get out, get out now. Well, I look, and he's unbuckling the baby from the back seat, too. He jerked the baby so hard out of the back seat, and he's like a, about a year, year and a half old right now at this point. Um, he jerked him so hard, one of his little shoes came off of his feet. And he throws him at me. Here, take him. Well, he turns around, loops around the parking lot as fast as he can in, in a Walmart parking lot, I guess. And he comes at us like he's going to hit us. Like I literally had to jump out of the way Cannot not be hit. And um, I I guess I got off base here. Uh, I want to add in the fact that at this point I found out that I'm pregnant again. Um. I had an issue. The IUD had to be removed at this point. And within a month of that, I got pregnant. And um, he knew I was pregnant. And he was very angry about it. He did not want another child. So when he comes and he comes to hit me, I've got a child in my stomach and a child on my hip. And I jumped out of the way. Well, he leaves. And we're about 10 to 15 miles from home. And so I start walking in the heat with my baby on my hip, crying, crying, crying. I was crying so hard. I don't even remember. I I think I couldn't even see. I I had mascara all in my eyes. Walking on the side of the, the road, trying to get home. And this little old lady in an old, like, 1994 Honda Civic pulls over. And she goes, honey, what's a nice little girl like you doing on the side of the road with your child? You could get hit and I guess she just reminded me of family or something because I just opened up and told her everything I'm like my husband threw me and my baby out of the vehicle then he circled around and he tried to hit us baby wouldn't stop crying until just a few minutes ago because it scared him so bad I have no ride home, we're having to walk I don't know how I'm going to get there I'm pregnant, I'm scared, I don't know what to do and then when I get home, what's going to happen to me? I don't know And she says, i tell you what, I'll give you a ride home. But on the one condition that you take my cell phone and you call the police, because I had no purse or cell phone or anything with me. All that still was in with him. And I gave in. I had no ride home. I was maybe like a month or two pregnant. I had my baby on my hips, sweating. He's little taut, and here he is, sweating in the heat. I had no money to buy him drinks, so I called. And I felt guilty about calling the police on him, even though he had done something so horrific to me. And the police come up, and they hear my story. And, and every time I would try to, like, kind of corners and not tell the whole truth so we wouldn't get in as much trouble, that old lady would be like, nope, you tell him the truth, young lady. You tell him the truth. So I would have to tell him all the details. And um anyway, they were like, okay, we're going to give you a ride home. So we had to ride in the back of a cop car, and we're going to arrest him. And um, I'm going to send one of the other officers over to Walmart because this should be on their parking lot footage. I mean, if he did it in the parking lot, it's there. And so before we could even make it back home, they had already called this officer and was like, yes, we've got it. So um, that night was probably the worst night ever because I was – guilt. I knew – He's going to be out of jail, and when he was, I was in for it, and I had no money. I wasn't working at this point, and no way to get out of this. My escape was gone. Um, Whenever he got back, he was so angry at me and so livid that I had followed through and called the police. Um that he threw me face first over a coffee table. And I, again, I was pregnant. I wasn't but one to two months, but I was still very careful of my baby. And it was so upsetting. And at this point, uh, something I did forget to mention is he had started uh, getting on Craigslist and replying to ads. And uh, what's it called? Uh, it's called something. It's where you hook up with, I guess, prostitutes. Um, anyway, he, he let me know that where he was going, and he left. And so I set up all that. So he had just gotten back. He had hurt me, and he did it again. And uh, the next day, he comes back like nothing ever happened. It's magical again. It's wonderful again. He's happy I'm pregnant, and he loves his child. But we can't live here in this city anymore. We're going to have to move back closer to Baton Rouge because um, he can't live here. So we pack us up and we moved in my sister's husband's mother had a rental house and she let us rent it and so we moved into there my brother got him a job at the place he was working so he moved jobs and um that was that well during this time I'm growing I'm getting bigger this and that I go into labor I have my daughter And we get back home just to make that short and sweet. And he um, is working on, two, off, three, off, three, off, two, that sort of schedule, like 12-hour shift. So at this point in time, I've got an infant who doesn't sleep at all at night. She's newborn. And she sleeps during the day. And so I'm up all night with her. And then I've got a two-year-old at this point who is <laughs> up all day and asleep at night. So I'm getting no sleep. And one of the soft days, I asked them, I said, hey, do you mind, can, can you take our son and just play with him for a little while and let me get some rest? I'll, I'll even sleep with the baby. You don't have to worry about the baby. She's sleeping anyway. She's up all night. I'll um, go take a nap with the baby. And, and you just, if you could just take care of him for a little while, that would be amazing. And he, you know, grumbled and stuff because he didn't want to have to, you know, do anything for me. And he was too busy texting people on his cell phone and playing on his PlayStation and whatnot. But he he did it. But he was disgruntled. Well, no sooner do I lay down, I hear him telling my two-year-old child, um, who's in the kitchen at this point with him, you better shut the F-U-C-K up or I'm going to... And I know this man is violent. So... I know he means it. So I jump up. as like, like if I'm going to do anything about it. I mean, all of a sudden, I had all the nerve in the world to this person I never stood up to. And I ran up in there, and I, um, and I had left the baby in the living room in her little thing she was sleeping in, bassinet, whatever you call them. And I went in there, and I took my finger, and I stuck it up in the air, and I said, don't you ever. And before I could finish my sentence, he grabbed me up by both of my arms and threw me, and when he did, there was a glass laundry room door behind me, and I flew through it, and our two-year-old is screaming his head off because I'm bleeding everywhere, and I'm squirting him and squirting everything else, and he's just watched something very violent, so he wraps the towel around my arm, and he gets us all in the vehicle. I ruined his truck seat, and starts to take us to the hospital and he's telling me the whole way there. Now you know when we get there, you don't tell him a word. You don't tell them a word. You fell with the coffee pot, didn't you? You were mopping the floor and you slipped and fell with the coffee pot. Like who mops the floor with the coffee pot in their hand? Right? And apparently I do. So we get to the emergency room and sure enough, I tell them mopping the floor with the coffee pot in my hand and I fell. And at this point in time, he tells me, look, I'm going to leave the baby with you. They're going to prepare to sit you up and stuff. So I'm going to take our son with me, and I've got to go clean this mess up, you know, because obviously he had to cover up the evidence in case the police got involved again. And so he leaves. And that doctor was an older gentleman, and he comes and says ma'am, I don't believe you. If you're being abused, you need to let me know. I can help you. And all I can think at this point is he has my son. I don't want to lose my son. What if he kills him while I'm here stuck in this hospital room? He's all the way back over there at the house, cleaning up the mess. He could, the police could show up. He could kill my kid. Well, I've got to protect my kid. And I'm like, no, I, I really was mopping with the coffee pot in my hand and slipped and fell on it. He's like, ma'am, coffee pots don't cause these kind of injuries. This is, this is bad. But anyway, they let us go. I got to go home. Um, He um, bribed me by buying me a few things on the way home. He would just run into the store and grab things that I had been asking for that he wouldn't buy me before, kind of suck up to me. Because he always did control our money. Like, even though I know, like, even my sister's been married almost forever, and her and her husband always have debit cards to the same account, and they're able to access it. I never had that. I was strictly to go through him for any need, and that includes gas anything, and I was never given over $5 of gas for my tank, so I couldn't go too far because he knew I ran. Anyway, um, I go back home with my arm stitched up, and I know that the next day my mom is scheduled to come and meet her new granddaughter and spend time with us and help me because the last she heard, I wasn't sleeping. My mom shows up, and I've got this huge bandage around my entire arm, and I'm trying to convince my mother that I was mopping with a coffee pot in my hand, and I slipped, and I fell on it, and it somehow ripped my home apart. And my mom said, don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. And the second he went back to work that day, I, I, I just fell apart. I told her everything. I mean, and I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed because here I had snuck away from her. I had done everything she told me not to, and she had saved my behind so many times, and I failed her again And just the disappointment I knew. But she wasn't. She started crying with me. She was so heartbroken that anybody could treat her child that way. And she never said a word to him because she didn't want... She had learned by this point you have to work behind the scenes with this guy or he can do very bad things. So we started making plans again, but I never followed through with him. I was beat down at this point. We ended up moving from that place to another place, a townhouse. And it was next door to one of my friends. Actually the friend, the first night that I went to the bar and I met him, that friend was living next door to me. <laughs> and I was really excited about that. I had that to look forward to. And um we started living there and he was Work at that place at the job my brother had gotten him. And I went one night over there to bring him lunch or something. I don't even recall what it was. I had to bring something at work. And all the coworkers saw me. And at this point, I thought I was just like a dog. I thought I was worthless. I was nothing. But apparently, they didn't feel that way. And they somehow got a hold of my phone number off of his phone. Nobody apparently at all liked him over there. And they started texting me. One guy in particular he's like, "Listen, ma'am, he's got different women over here every night, so imagine my surprise when I find out you're the one that's the wife, and I see how pretty you are. Why are you putting up with this? He's like, "Heck, I'd take you if you let me you know just like- you know trying to like tell me well, I was so upset I was and he was still at work for the rest of the day, because so I couldn't talk to him or anything because this particular job um I better not text him that was one of his key rules but anyway, um that uh afternoon, I started you know what I'm gonna start looking in every area of our lives. We had a laptop at this point, this is about twenty ten or twenty or so. We had a laptop, and I got on my laptop, and I scrolled through it, and I realized he' got an ad on plenty of Fish he's been picking up women left and right. I mean, it's no wonder he's got women. at his job every night coming to meet up with him and hook up with him in his vehicle on his lunch break. (laughs) He's got an ad out there. I've never even been familiar with dating sites at this point. And so I am fuming. I am furious. I have been made a fool of, and I'm just done. And so when he gets back, I tell him, I'm leaving you. Um, It's over with. I have been through too much. I'm done. And uh, he basically um, beat me down to the point emotionally where I backed down off of that. But I knew in my heart, okay, I I know that this is over. I've just got to figure a way out. He's right. I can't just walk away right. I have no money. I'm still not working at this point. I have no money. I have nothing. So within a week, I was already out there looking for jobs trying to get everything lined up. I was going to do what I had to do to get on my feet and get away from this man. And I did. I found a job. um, And I actually started making friends, which built up my self-esteem a lot more because I, I was so isolated. Yeah, my friend next door was next door to me, but we barely hung out because he would control who I hung out with and stuff. But when I was at work, I was free. He couldn't control me. I had friends and I had people I could talk to. And that was really exciting for me. So I started talking to my mom, and I'm like, Mom, I've got friends down. I want to stay down here. I think maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why I keep coming back. I want to be here around my friends. I have no friends up there. Maybe, maybe if you could just help me get on my feet and help me get a new place to live. Where? And then one night when he's at work on one of his shifts, I'll just um, get some of these friends to help me move to my new place. And that's what we did. Um, she helped me get into a cute little log cabin that was made into a duplex. And we moved out. And um, he was furious when he found out. And when we had left, I, at this point, we had been, still had that old car that I had brand new right before we got married. And we had a newer uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee, which I drove around most of the time because uh, I had the family with me. I had the two kids. So it made sense. Well, he starts pulling up my phone. You're going to come, and you're going to give me that back. That one's the one that has my name on it, too, and I've got the law on my side. I'm driving around a car with your name on it. That's not fair. We're going to trade out vehicles, and you've got to let me see my kids, so I expect to have a sleepover with them. So we arranged at night for us to meet up, and we were going to meet up, trade out vehicles, and he was going to get the kids for one night. And when we met up, everything seemed fine, a little too fine. Because that's not normal. He wasn't begging for me back. He wasn't anything. He just kindly swapped keys with me, and I drove off. And that was not normal. Well, within a few miles of me leaving there, I was pulled over by two police officers in two separate calls. And they start beating on my window to roll it down. And they're like, do you have drugs? Do you have drugs in this vehicle? Do you have drugs in this vehicle? And they're yelling at me in my face. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have drugs. Why? why? Have you been drinking? And like, No, 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 I don't have any of that. They pulled me out of my car. They ripped everything out of my car. They were jerking on the seat. They were pulling everything out of, like, the glove box and throwing it into the ditch on the side. I had pulled off the side of the road on the grass with the ditch by the side. They were throwing the car seats in there, everything. They ripped my entire car apart looking for drugs. And then when they were done, they were like, okay, have a nice night, ma'am. And they left me there on the side of the road with every bit of my stuff in that ditch. And I knew then why he had been so peaceful that night. He had access to the car before me, so it was no big deal for him to say, hey, there's this blonde-headed lady in a um such-and-such such a Osmobile Alero, it's this model, here's the license plate. Uh, I saw her doing drugs, you know, or something like that, because they were treating me like I had them on me. Well, it wasn't too much longer after that before he talked me back and he'd taken him back. He had lost. The first place that we were living in, the one I had left him at, and it, which was in my name, thank you for the credit score, because that really hurt my credit. Um, he, he had been evicted from it. He had nowhere to live. Oh, he just broke my heart with a sob story. So I took him in. I was like, okay, well, you can live here and stay on the couch. And, you know, that's never how that works. So we ended up getting back together. And one night he got angry at me um i had had this thing with work i had to go to it was like a party to celebrate um some successes we had had at work and they rented out this place and there was dancing and music and everything else and he didn't want to go i just went by myself and i hung out with my girlfriends and we had a couple of drinks and then i went home well he accused me of cheating He uh, went in this whole rant. He started punching holes in the walls of this other place that I've just got. I've got my name on this place, too. And I'm freaking out. I'm flipping out. He grabs the Clorox. He opens my closet with all my work clothes in it, and he dumps Clorox on every item just right across the top. I have no clothes. He ruined every piece of them. And basically he starts throwing me up against walls. He starts just banging me around to the point where our people in the duplex, like I said, it was a log cabin duplex next door heard it and they called the police and he got picked up again. So at this point, he's gone again. Blah, blah, blah. I get with my mom. We type up another divorce. I'm divorcing him. Um, He gets an attorney this time. He gets his daddy to pay for an attorney. Um, it's a female attorney. And we get to court, and she just starts slandering my name. I'm this this woman. I cheat on him constantly. I break his things. I'm horrible to him. I mistreat the kids. I, you know, everybody suffers because of me. I'm a selfish narcissist. I'm a horrible human. And I felt cornered. I couldn't afford an attorney. So I was sitting in there representing myself. And um, she says, I'm going to give her the opportunity to talk this out on the side. And then, you know, uh, she tells the judge this. And then we will meet back in 10 minutes and see what comes of it if we can't come to some kind of mutual understanding. And we get out in the hall, and he is grinning ear to ear. He's so satisfied with this. And she says, first of all, you look really familiar. Do I know you? The more I look at you, I know who you are. And I said, I don't think I do. And I've been texting my mom and I said, What is your name? And she says, So and um, I texted my mom, Do we know so and so? And she goes, Oh, yes, that's Mr so-and-so's daughter who I worked with back in like the eighties and she used to carry you around on her hip. You were a baby and she realized that she's been knowing me since I was a baby. So then she felt really bad about what she had done. And <laughs> that was like the first time in ever that I actually got something on him where I felt like, "Ha, huh, you know, you're not controlling me on this one. I I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. Cause she's like, well, I can't, I can't keep. I can't keep representing you. This is like, um, this is bad. This is this is family to me. Her mother is like a sister to me. You know, blah blah blah. We need to work this out. Um, and why don't we just tell the judge we'll, you know, adjourn till another day, and we'll come back and we'll go back to my office and we'll talk this out. Because, you know, I I love her family. I didn't realize this is who you were. And um, so we go back to her office, and basically, what ends up coming out of it is we're going to work things out, and he's going to go to counseling. And he does; he goes to counseling, and he starts going. He starts behaving a lot better too. And then uh one day, he comes back and he says, "Hey, the counselor says she's ready to meet with you too. So we're going to have like a couple counseling nights." And so. You're going to come with me on this date, and we're going to go. Well, I get in there, and he has told this counselor that I abuse him. I'm cheating on him. I neglect our children. I'm an alcoholic. I've got all these problems. So I have to leave him again. And I move in with a friend back in Baton Rouge. And Long story short, again, he talks me back into coming back to him. I mean, I hate to even say it. I'm almost ashamed of it at this point. But I moved back in with him in an apartment, like right down the street from where my friend lives. And we were there for a few months. And then one night he's on one of his rants gaslighting me again. And um, he tells me I better give him my daughter, blah, 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 or else I hand over my daughter to him. And she throws up all over him. We didn't know she had a stomach virus. She had just come from daycare. And he starts yelling and screaming and breaking things and punching holes in the walls and telling me I made her throw up on him. I make everyone hate him. I ruin all of his life. He starts going crazy like I've never seen before. I mean, I've seen him get pretty crazy, but not like this. And. He basically, for the next two hours, holds us hostage. The kids are screaming and crying on the couch, like, holding themselves. I mean, in shock to where they're having to catch breath. They're screaming so hard. I'm being knocked out, drug around, and apparently the neighbors heard again, and they called the police. Well, when the police came to the door this time, apparently somebody in jail the last time had told him, if you don't answer the door, they can't do anything to you. It's when you answer the door... That you let them in So don't answer the door And he tells me this because I ain't gonna answer the door They'll just go away So he says everybody be real quiet And he's like the kids are having a hard time being quiet I mean they are choking They're crying so hard I'm half out of it I can't see because I've been beaten just to a pulp And they got the SWAT team out of them. They didn't just go away They got the SWAT team out there And we start hearing him announce Over like a loudspeaker um, open the door, blah, 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 you know, we're going to come in, blah, blah, blah. And they kicked the door in and they come and they got us. And at this point, my little boy, I want to say he was about three and a half at this point, three and a half, almost four. And my little boy tells him everything. I don't even have to talk. He says, he beat my mama. He uh, would throw her against the wall. He would mash her head into the to the carpet so she couldn't breathe. He would do this. He would do that. I'm so scared. Please take my daddy to jail. And They took him to jail again. So we continued living in that apartment for a little while longer. I had to, it was a two bedroom apartment. I had to take in a roommate to be able to afford the bills and afford daycare because of course he never paid child support when we were apart. Um, I wasn't worth getting child support. So. Um, my roommate ended up having problems and not being able to pay her into the bills. And we lost that apartment. And then at this point, I was forced to move back in with him. He was living back in his hometown, home. So he was back down there. Oh, and he was open arms, ready to take me in. So I moved back down there with him again. And no sooner do I get there than the abuse starts. He, um... We had this one instance where, and I had gotten a job down there, too. I started working for a collection agency, and I really liked it. I had a lot of friends there. It was good money, good bonuses, everything else. And um, he hated me working there. He thought I was talking to other men, that I wasn't really going to a job. Every other night, it was a fight. It was like, if I didn't work, he would put down on me for being lazy and never wanting to keep a job. But when I did work, I was cheating on him. So I was like, no way I'm giving up this job. I'm happy I get to get away from home, you know. And at this point, I just have to tell you the mind frame I'm in. I have gone through this for so long and so much. I feel like nothing. I feel almost suicidal at at times, especially right after he beats me. I feel like I could just kill myself and nobody would care. Like, I literally didn't want to live. He somehow always got me to come back. I felt crazy, like I was losing my mind. I had started drinking at night to make myself sleep. But anyways, um, around 4th of July, he starts punching holes in the wall and telling me to go going every day to see my boyfriend telling me to give him his name and the address. And because I have no boyfriend and I have no information to give him, his tiree his tire gets worse and worse and worse. And my kids are in there, so I invite both my kids quietly. And just like like none of this is going on outside, I have my cell phone in my hand. And I um, bring them outside to ride on their little tricycles out back to try to get away. And I'm sitting on the back step, which has the door right behind it. So like if you're sitting there, the door's up against your back. That's what you're sitting up against. He busts open the door, which knocks me out on the concrete in front of my kids. And my kids are screaming in horror again at this point, just completely traumatized children. And he leaves. I got up. I got my kids in the house. I called my mom. I let her know that this was still going on. And we start making a plan for me to leave again. But this time it's permanent because of the SWAT team incident. The DA has decided that it doesn't matter how many times I call them and tell them that he's not guilty and just to let these go and I don't wish to pursue charges. Because the kids were witness to this, the state is pursuing charges, and there's nothing I can do about it. And the DA is actually friends with my mother because, like I said, she's in the legal field. She's worked in both states, and she's been in it since the 80s. DA has told her, listen, if you don't get your daughter out of this, they're going to take her kids from her. Now, there's a lot of things that I am, but, and I am not, but I am a good mom, and I would never want to lose my children. That is the one line that I draw. And so my mom's like, they're going to take your kids. You know that, right? So this time when you go, you got to go. And I'm like, okay, okay, I will. I'm going to get my paycheck this Friday, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how he found out about this, but somehow he knew I was leaving. Because that night he came home, he scooped my son up, didn't say a word to me, and leaves. And he was gone for four days with my child. When I would drive by his parents' house, his vehicle wouldn't be there. I couldn't get him to disclose. Where he was at, the only thing I could get out of him is, oh, you thought you could leave me. Well, let's see you leave me now, and oh, this and that, and you know, just being just tormenting me further, and um, around the second or third day, his sister comes by, and she says, hey, I'm here to pick up clothes for him and um, your son, um, and I, I looked her dead in the eye, because they never took my side on anything, and I, I'd come over there with bruises all over me, and they would just ignore it, and I said... Look at me when I tell you this. Look at every hole in every wall of this house. Look at me busted up, barely able to walk. Can you honestly tell me that you don't see that your brother has a problem? Can you not help me and tell me where my child is? And every night I was calling the police. I was calling them every night. I was bothering them. They're like, look, ma'am, there's nothing we can do about it. He's their father. If he wants to take the little boy and go to Hawaii, that's his business. So, anyways, uh, he finally agrees to come meet back up with me. I've talked to him, and I've told him, look, I'll talk to you about our relationship problems. Maybe we can work this out. Please just bring bring our son back, and we can talk about this. And so he does. He shows up the next morning, and he doesn't have our son with him. And I said, where is our son? And he says, I want to know that you want to be with me forever, that you're never going to leave me again. I said, I can't say anything to you right now. I am freaking out. Have you killed him? Where is our son? And I start flipping out real bad. And he, apparently that upset him because he, again, took me by my purse strap, which was around my shoulder and the back of my head this time and threw me out of the front door on my face to where it scraped it and was bleeding really bad. And I said, oh, I've got him. I can call the police now, and they'll listen to me because he's injured me. So I called the police. They come over. They put him in the patrol car. They find my son sitting out in his running vehicle in the parking lot way far away where anybody could have abducted him or anything. Um, it was like three apartment buildings, and then the parking lot on the other side is the way that that apartment was set up. Anyway, I get my son back in my arms, and the police said, look, we're going to keep him in the cop car, and we're going to allow you time to pack up. Where's your nearest family member? So I told them, okay, go there. Whatever you got to do, go there, this and that. So I start packing my stuff, and this one cop, he says, you know, any other woman in this apartment complex, would have been done the things you've been done, and she would get all these big screen TVs and all these things out of this man's house and walk door to door until she sold every one, or she'd take that baseball bat right there and take every one of them out. But she wouldn't walk away with nothing. And I'm just letting you know that we're going to stand outside the door, and we'll play with your kids out here and let you finish packing. And if you feel like doing either, we didn't see a thing that's exactly what they told me and you know what I started packing and I was like I actually could since I'm having to leave all this stuff again I only got enough time to pack up a diaper bag and I'm going to have to leave with that old beat up car again I'm going to take out a few TVs and I did I walked through that house and I took out every single flat screen I busted everything I could get my hands on and it felt great so we got on the road and they didn't lock them up they didn't actually they just let him go right back into the apartment and immediately he starts blowing up my phone about the damage that i've done and how he's going to get me arrested and i better turn around right now and he says you know what no you're too far gone now i tell you what this will be the last time you hear from me and now you have to remember this is like a, a seven and a half eight hour trip between states i've told my mom before i left that i'm meeting her at a certain point which is like five hours away And I'm in an older car, so I need my cell phone. That's the first thing he cut off was the cell phone. Then he cut off my insurance and everything else. So I basically would have to drive up to places with free Wi-Fi and get on one of those texting apps, like text free now or whatever, and text my mom my location And we had to to get through that trip so that we could get to a point where we could meet up. And by the time I got to her, I had like no gas left, no money. I mean, it was horrible, but she put gas in my tank. She took care of me. And that was the very last time I left him. That was it. I was done. I never went back because the thought of losing my children was so much for me that I knew that I could never go back. It was him or them and they come first every time. And so I did, I ended up leaving him and that didn't stop him from finding out my newest phone number and continuing to call me. And he stalked me. He would send roses to my new job up here. He would, um, he's called DHR on me at least 20 times over the years. At least. It's always something new. Um, he would... Um, call me and try to get back together with me, start blowing up my phone, and it would radiate between anger, and then it would turn back into, I love you, I can't live without you, you know you're the love of my life, and then it would turn back into, I hate you, I'm going to kill you, blah, 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 and it would keep going back and forth like that, and then he started, apparently he started seeing some girl, and he got her pregnant, and we had actually gotten on speaking terms at this point because he had started paying a little bit of child support as long as I was friendly with him. He calls me up one day and he says, She's pregnant. This is not what I want. You've got to call her and tell her that abortions are okay. The baby's not really alive anyway. This very thing that I have told him before that anybody is allowed to feel any way they want to about the subject. But for me, this is a, you know, I draw a line in the sand. This is how I feel about this subject. And he's going to ask me to call this poor, helpless girl and tell her that I said, No, why don't you raise this baby right and treat her right? You know, blah, blah, blah. He ends up having the baby with the girl, and he ends up turning the girl on me. And then so there for about a year or two, I had to have the girl calling me every other weekend, uh, cursing me out, threatening to hurt me and stuff because he would pump her up. And then after everything was said and done, and she finally did leave him, she, like, messages me on Facebook and says, he was beating on me. He was hurting me. He was doing all these things. You know, I totally understood Totally understood because he's crazy and he can talk you into anything, but she's like, can you testify for me in court and all this other stuff? And at that point, I I just couldn't go through it anymore. I was two states away and that wasn't nearly far enough. I didn't need it. And to this day, he still does stuff, and he still stalks me, and he still does horrible things to me. But at least there's enough distance between us that I have been able to heal. Both of my children had to have counseling Um, for the first few years we were up here, uh, pretty in-depth counseling. They were pretty well traumatized because that's all they ever knew was that violence. I had to have counseling. Um, But we've built a life now, and we're a lot better.
0: And uh, so within your healing process, um, eventually – You know, for people who are listening, you know, you did uh, end up in another relationship after. So people who are listening to this, um, listen to that one, which is on from October uh, 12th. But in this process of healing, I guess, what were like the biggest takeaways for you and uh, things you learned and for other people who are going through the same things, uh, words of wisdom or, or advice for them?
1: Well, one, they don't change. No matter how much they try to tell you they, they've they changed, and no matter how much they sweet-talk you and tell you you're the love of their life and all this other stuff, the more times you go back is the more times you're putting your life at risk because you could end up dead. In that situation, you can end up losing your kids. And the other thing is is that when you do leave, it don't matter what he does to you. Like I said, my phone got cut off, my insurance, everything else. Keep moving forward. Don't answer his calls or the text. Don't be a fool like me and go back 20 times and file eight divorces. Be done for your kid's sake. And just time will heal all the other stuff. Like I said, I was so broken. And so my self-esteem was so, I mean, bad. I hated being alive, but time heals that and getting away from that heals that too.
0: Well, Kelly, I want to thank you for being here with me today and sharing your first story, even though it's your second story of being on here. Um, you've been through a lot through both relationships, and I'm just happy that you're in a good place, you're in a healthy relationship now um, and uh, your kids are are your kids are doing well, yes,
1: yes, yeah, both of them are completely fine now both of them had issues when we first got done with that and then they had to relive it again they both had some issues that they had to work through uh bed night terrors things like that uh tantrums but with counseling with time they are both perfectly normal happy make great grades just great kids
0: well it's very good to hear and i'm just happy that you're all okay so from the bottom of my heart thank you uh, once again for being on the show And for everyone else who is listening, I hope you have a good night.